0: we're live on the YouTube. I'm Dave Rubin, and welcome to another Friday Roundtable Extravaganza. Today, we're going to be getting an update about the never-ending insanity and endless assault on liberty happening in the once great country known as Canada, our neighbor to the north up there. That's why I pointed up. Joining me, are political commentator, Lauren Chen, commander of Rebel News Ezra Levant, and a candidate for the People's Party of Canada, David Freiheit, aka Viva Fry. Welcome back to The Rubin Report, everybody. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. All right, I'm glad to have the three of you on. Obviously, I've had all of you on a couple times before, so the audience should be familiar with you guys. There is a lot of craziness in Canada. Uh, I think that's probably a major uh, underestimate. Uh, So I want you guys to kind of unpack it because obviously here in America, we only hear about America. We don't really hear that anything else is happening anywhere else. So uh, I'm just first start off uh, with you, Lauren. And if each of you could kind of answer this, if you could just kind of sum up in like a minute, what do you think the general state of Canada is? And then we've got a bunch of clips. We're gonna talk about Trudeau and a whole bunch of other stuff. So Lauren, kick us off.
1: Well, I think the general state of Canada is unfortunately crisis, and I would disagree that Canada hasn't been making the news. Even America, uh, you know, we we had nas- international headlines when the uh, you know pastors were being arrested, when we had curfews, uh, when we implemented the vaccine passport. So unfortunately, Canada, I feel like, has been making the rounds, but for nothing good. And what's crazy is that the Canadian people themselves seem to be really polarized about all these draconian lockdown measures. Uh, you have some people who are very ardently for it, and I would love love to say that all of this craziness is just coming from the top. People like Justin Trudeau and uh, so many of the different premieres, but unfortunately, a lot of them, uh, you know, a lot of the everyday people, they do support this just because we've had a media whipping people up into a frenzy.
0: Yeah, I'm actually glad to hear you say that. Do you think that there was some mainstream coverage of this stuff, because, you know, I don't think it was really much on CNN, certainly not MSNBC, but you think it was sort of picked up in like maybe BBC or independent, that kind of stuff?
1: Right. And I I know Tucker Carlson specifically, he did do an entire segment talking about our hotel quarantine, essentially detention centers, uh, which are still going on, going on, by the way, which the Canadian courts have upheld, despite the fact that there are huge human rights violations. There were reports of sexual assaults going on because you couldn't lock the doors and things like that. Uh, So, you know, for, for people who are interested, there are tons of horror stories on there about what exactly has been happening in Canada. But I feel like if there has been any hesitancy to report on these things, it's because a lot of the people in the American media, at least, they support these measures too.
0: Yeah, Ezra, you've been one of the first guys screaming about all of this stuff for a long time. It's pretty much why you started Rebel News, which was one of, if not the first independent news organization out of Canada. What what grade would you give Canada these days?
2: It's the worst of times. It's never been this bad. Uh, I want to give you an example. Um, Justin Trudeau announced a $600 million newspaper bailout that 99% of the media took. That's in addition to his TV funding. So now 99.9% of Canadian media are on the dole, literally. I mean, uh, right before the election, he pumped out $61 million in secret payments and he refused to reveal which journalists got the money till after the election. We managed to get an access to information document. 1,500 different news outlets took the cash. That's, that's gotta be 99.9% of them. So we're at the stage now where the media in Canada is either owned or rented by the government or banned by the government. And I say that because, for example, Rebel News, which, is, which doesn't take any dough from Trudeau, We applied to cover the leaders' debates, but those have been nationalized by Trudeau. So they kept our reporters out. We had to run to federal court and get an emergency injunction just to come in the building to ask questions. So I really feel like in Canada, you're either a government journalist paid by Trudeau or you're illegal. And I think that applies really to the People's Party. And David Freiheit can talk about that. They were banned from this government debate, too. They're marginalized. They really are narrowing the bandwidth of what you can say and do. And it's not just you know, peer pressure. It's the law. It's government sanctions. I really feel like we are only partly free as a society. We're not a fully free society anymore. We're partly free.
0: Yeah. And look, I hate to say it, but I think you guys are probably just a couple steps further down that road than we are in the United States. It's probably somewhat comparable to what's going on in Australia. Uh, That's a good segue, David. So first off, you're, you're running. You're actually getting involved. You know my thoughts on this. It's like we can all talk, but we need people to do You're a lawyer by training. Uh, You you do your show with Robert Barnes on Locals and you guys are crushing it on there. So it's not like you needed this, but you're doing it. So first, can you just uh, tell tell the audience that doesn't know about the People's Party why you joined the People's Party and just how's it
3: going? So yeah, it's an amazing thing that I discovered that there was only one party in Canada that had the slightest interest in constitutional rights, uh, making sure that laws are passed lawfully even in the time of an emergency uh, that doesn't think vaccine passports or restricting interprovincial travel is justifiable, even in times of an emergency. Only one party in Canada doing it. And I know what I thought of the People's Party of Canada when I read about them in 2018, because they were demonized back in 2018. I didn't understand any of the dynamics that I now understand, and th- thanks to Ezra and thanks to Rebel, about what happens when the CBC receives a billion dollars a year from the government? What happens when all the mainstream media receives hundreds of millions of dollars from the government? CJAD, daytime radio here, runs COVID ads all day long, takes that bailout money. Presumably they have become the cheerleaders for this oppressive regime. They have become quite literally the purveyors of the propaganda to instill fear in everybody to the point where, you know, healthy, middle-aged people who are double vaccinated have been so beaten into a state of irrational panic that they think there's an existential threat to eat in a restaurant if they don't know someone else's vaccination status. This is the level of the political, intellectual discourse in Canada. It's good to see there's, there is a bit of an uprising, a bit of an awakening. I'm seeing it as I walk the streets and the amount of people who secretly say they're supporting the PPC and or me, uh, it's encouraging, but I think we've got a long way to go to reach the rest who still think it's a good thing when the government says, we're locking you down for your safety.
0: Yeah, and as a guy that just got mugged by progressive reality here in California after our recall election, it's like, you, you just gotta have hope. So I'm, I'm thrilled truly that you got involved in this thing at a personal level. Uh, a couple of you guys already mentioned what's going on with some of the vaccine stuff and some of the money that Trudeau's throwing around, basically bribing government officials at this point, but don't take
4: my word for it. Here's your clown prime minister, Justin Trudeau. We will create a $1 billion COVID-19 proof of vaccination fund. So if your premier, wherever you are across the country, if your premier mandates that everyone in your local restaurant or gym or other non-essential locations must be fully vaccinated and show proof, we'll pay for the development and rollout of that program. A vaccine mandate for non-essential businesses is a good idea. It keeps people safe. It encourages everyone to do the right thing. It keeps our businesses open and it keeps our economy rebuilding. Because keeping you safe, that's my top priority. And not just through this fall, but over the long term too.
0: Keeping you safe. That's my top priority. I mean, my (laughs) God, we are in a dystopian nightmare. Levant, he's giving money away to keep us safe. Isn't he a great man? I mean, isn't that what a good, decent man would do? Give his own money away? He must have a billion dollars somewhere that he had in his pocket, and now he's gonna give it away to keep you safe. Ezra, why are you pissed about this?
2: Well, the money is the least of it. It's the absolute destruction of privacy, of civil liberties, the creation of what Ron DeSantis in Florida calls a biomedical security state. And um, just a few months ago, Trudeau was saying he would never do this. It would create a segregation and a double cla- two classes of citizenship. It's a violation of Canada's Charter of Rights and Freedoms, which is like our version of the U.S. Bill of Rights, that Pierre Trudeau, Justin Trudeau's own father, brought in. but justin trudeau doesn't care as he said before he was elected the country he most admires in the world is china for its quote basic dictatorship he's a super fan of castro i mean if a guy tells you who he is you should believe him he's not even the worst though even in alberta which is sometimes called the texas of canada they're actually banning unvaccinated people from meeting at home. So you heard Trudeau say they're in non-essential places. Mm -hmm. In Alberta, you can be perfectly healthy, strong as an ox, but if you're not vaccinated, you may not meet other people in your own home. So apparently that's not an essential place anymore. We are on track for Australia in terms of civil liberties violations, and Israel in terms of how many boosters. Trudeau has bought 400 million boosters. He signed the contract. There's only 38 million Canadians. He has bought 10 shots for every man, woman, and child. We are locked into this dystopia for years.
0: Yeah, and if people think you're making this up, I'm pretty sure Israel is already pushing people towards that fourth shot. So it's not as as if the idea of the 10th seems that far away, but come on, Lauren, Ezra must be some sort of right-wing maniac, Trudeau, he's nice, he wears nice socks.
1: I, I wish I could say that I had anything positive uh, in my mind about Trudeau right now, but I, I frankly don't. And I just want to say that as someone who used to be a drama teacher, the level of insincerity is pretty shocking. <laughs> I would think that he could at least deliver those lines better. Uh, but what's really concerning is that that billion dollars, that's not the government's money. That that came from Canadian taxpayers. So if you are a Canadian taxpayer, the truth is you're paying for your own subjugation and for your own rights to be violated. And that's the case whether you're vaccinated or not, because this is not about the unvaxxed versus the vaxxed. anything like that. It's about government overreach, which is equally atrocious whether or not you have taken the vaccine. So that's what really gets me. And that's why me and so many other Canadians were looking at this election. And It's like, I I don't know how much longer I can do this. I don't know how much longer I can pay these absorbent taxes uh, that I know are going to programs that are designed specifically to exclude me from public life. It just makes my stomach churn. I can't.
0: You know, you mentioned the inauthenticity of Trudeau, and it very much reminds me of what we just dealt with or what we, I guess we're going to still deal with now for a couple of years in California, which is Gavin Newsom, that that he reeks of inauthenticity. Yeah. And, and just, it's dripping off these people. And I'm wondering, uh, David, I'll throw this to you, like, do people, like when you talk to a Trudeau supporter, if they'll talk to you, do they think he's a good guy? I mean, do they think he's genuine? Do they think he really wants to save them and somehow you and Maxime and, and the rest of the People's Party
3: of Canada people are, are mean and scary and want them to be diseased? This is where I find some encouragement. I And I'm not saying this to be hyperbolic. I have not met one person, even as I went door to door in my district, who likes or says they support Trudeau. You have those who say they're gonna reflexively vote liberal just because, but everybody I've spoken to loathes him and is looking for somewhere else to vote now. A lot of them are gonna go to the new democratic party, uh, but a lot of them are saying anything but Trudeau, even the diehard liberals, they say I've been liberal my whole life, I'm not voting liberal now, so I just need to find the alternative, and it's up to me to convince them to vote NDP out of protest or vote uh, PPC out of protest and principle. But another thing about that billion dollars that blows my mind and enrages me, it's not just our taxpayer dollars. Our healthcare system is the reason why people are being locked down. They say we're overloading it, it can't deal with this, we're understaffed. So what does Trudeau do, spends a bill or promises a billion dollars on an app instead of just investing that into the healthcare system? Alberta's now says that they're overloaded because they have 310 ICU beds in a province of 4.5 million. They're squandering money on useless things like COVID ads and apps instead of investing it into the system while implementing a vaccine passport system that is necessarily and knowingly going to chase unvaccinated healthcare workers out of the system, which is already understaffed. So it is either incompetence, malice, or a combination of the both, but it's the worst possible situation politically, and I think even liberals can accept that at this point.
0: All right, well, look, clearly I've brought on three very far-right crazy people because it couldn't possibly be that Justin Trudeau would also be assaulting free speech. I mean, we've talked a little bit about COVID, but I'm gonna throw this video here, and it can't possibly be that this guy, Justin Trudeau, would also be assaulting Canadians'
4: right to speak freely. Video. People need to be safe. People need to feel safe in Canada. And over the past years, unfortunately, we've seen a rise in intolerance and acts of hatred, not just in a political context, but across the country. That is why uh, we need to continue to be unequivocal about standing up against hatred and discrimination, as we have as a government, as we need to continue to. There's not a debate around vaccines, there's not a debate around climate change. We know for the safety of Canadians and future generations, we need to step up. It is unacceptable that there continue to be acts of racism and intolerance uh, in communities across the country, whether it's political or not. We need to do more, which is why we're going to be moving forward on stronger controls over online hate and harms while respecting freedom of speech, but you don't have the freedom to hate. You don't have the freedom to incite to violence. And our government that has taken many steps on this will continue to because no one should feel unsafe, particularly not someone who's coming out to volunteer and support uh, in a political campaign to make this country even better.
0: I think I have blood dripping out of my ear after listening to that. Um, there's so much there. So first off, there's no debate on vaccines. We can't have a debate on vaccines. Can't have a debate on uh, climate change either. He sort of slid that one in there. Uh, there's uh, You can't have hate, can't have hate, but it's not an assault on free speech. I mean, that's a complete oxymoron. Uh, and then the last line, which I thought was particularly interesting, no one should feel unsafe, particularly not someone who's coming out to volunteer and support in a political campaign to make this country even better. Guys, uh, you may remember this video. I'm springing this one on you. I was in Canada two years ago, speaking with Maxime Bernier and a few other people, and uh, it was a political event, and this is what happened.
4: Nazis off our streets! Nazis come off our streets!
0: No one should uh, fear uh, you know, coming out to volunteer at a, at a political event. Uh, there was tons of violence there. By the way, that elderly woman, I know you guys have seen this video, her husband fought actual Nazis in World War II. Um, Tr- Trudeau didn't manage to say anything about that. What could be going on here? Ezra? Uh,
2: yesterday, there was an arrest in Calgary, Alberta, of a man who was uh, charged with vandalizing churches. Over the last two months, more than 50 churches in Canada have been burnt or vandalized or attacked in some way. Um, Justin Trudeau has not called it a terrorist attack, not called it a hate crime. In fact, uh, Trudeau's right-hand man, Gerald Butts, calls it understandable. So there's certain kinds of hates, hatreds, and hate crimes that Trudeau is fine with. Mm -hmm. Um, It's funny how he just sort of mushes things together. Um, He talked about inciting violence. I'm obviously against that. But in the same bucket, he put having a different opinion on vaccines, having a different opinion on global warming. Uh, he, He also threw in racism, implying that if you're vaccine hesitant you're racist he occasionally calls people misogynist for the same thing even though his own pollster says the typical vaccine hesitant canadian is a 42 year old mother who votes liberal Hmm. so he just is actually the intolerant one who can't stand other points of view um i i i tell you that he has actually put forward his draft legislation to crack down on the Internet should he be re-elected? And what scares me, Dave, is that although Trudeau has this huge plan to regulate the Internet, the Conservative Party, which you would expect to be against it, the party of Aaron O'Toole, has not said one word against the online harms proposal. In fact, the party spokesman on the issue believes that YouTube and other online sites should be regulated for hurtful and harmful speech. I'm not talking about crimes, I'm talking about hurt feelings. It's coming under the liberals or the Tories, Dave.
0: Lauren, you talk about this a lot on your show and we've talked about it a bunch, sort of this like elite where it makes no difference whether they call themselves liberal or conservative, at least from a, um, from a Canadian perspective. They're just sort of all in on it together. So the conservatives aren't gonna do anything about, you know, defending your right to speak or anything like that.
1: No, it's very terrifying that in Canada, at least the Conservative Party uh, has also refused to condemn vaccine passports. And so, as someone who openly supports the PPC, I have for a while now, uh, one of their founding members, uh, you know that there are a lot of us out there. That's just like a special thing you got when you're signed up on the website, not to make myself seem more important than I am. Uh, But there are a lot of us uh, who have been called, uh, you know, vote splitters. And oh, essentially a vote for Maxime Bernier is just a vote for Justin Trudeau. Well, no, let me tell you what a vote for Justin Trudeau looks like. It's voting for Aaron O'Toole. Mm -hmm. I don't support Justin Trudeau because I I don't support these COVID restrictions. I don't support, uh, you know, hate speech legislation. I don't support mass migration. All of these things Aaron O'Toole is also in favor of. So if I If if I don't want it from Justin Trudeau, then I'm sorry. I don't want it from Aaron O'Toole either, and that's why the PPC has been such a brush breath of fresh air, there we go, for me and so many other Canadians who for the longest time have felt politically unrepresented by the mainstream parties. And uh, by the way, you know, just for Justin Trudeau to know, uh, inciting violence is already illegal in Canada. There's already laws on the books for that, so we don't need any more if that really was what he was concerned about, and it's very, it's honestly sickening that he would even think to throw in actual uh, calls to violence with just mean words that hurt people's feelings as if those two things are in any way comparable.
0: David, I uh, suspect I know the answer to this question, but what are some of the things that the media is saying about you? You know, as you know, I talked about, I'm here in Cali and watching what the media did to Larry Elder was just extraordinary. And then when Gavin Newsom had his acceptance speech, he said it was a win for diversity. I mean, these people, it's the height of hypocrisy. There's just no it's ending, early. there's no ending to the line. But I'm wondering, how how's the mainstream media treating you guys, because when I did that event with Maxine, and actually, I think Lauren, I think that's when I met you for the first time, actually in person, you were yeah, there, I if think I'm not so. mistaken, yeah. Um, when I did that event, there were Christians and Jews and Muslims, there were gays and straights and blacks and browns and Asians, and nobody cared. And all anyone talked about was freedom and everything else. But I suspect that's not exactly how they're talking about you guys.
3: Uh, Well, I'll say I've been fortunate on an individual basis because I think I have enough of a social media footprint that throwing out those types of accusations wouldn't stick against me. The party itself, it's the standard isms, you know, anti-immigrant, anti-science, anti-vaxxer. When I went door to door, that's what the individuals who thought poorly of us thought uh, by and large, because that's what the media just repeats over and over again. Because like I told uh, Rebel News in an interview, What they do is ignore and demonize so they don't give the ppc a platform then they misrepresent them in their absence uh but i think that's changing and if if that's you know one of the influences that i've had i would be very happy to have had that effect but the one thing that blows me away in all of this uh dave is when justin trudeau was talking about racism and intolerance i tweeted the stats that ezra was uh, referring to out to trudeau a little while ago with a nice montage of him literally saying one thing Six months ago, and the exact opposite. Six months later, we're not a country that makes vaccinations mandatory. Six months later, I believe vaccinations be mandatory. I said yeah. you are putting into effect a policy that will have a disparate impact on racial, ethnic, religious minorities. I showed the stats: Lat- Latinos, Blacks are less likely to get vaccinated or more likely to be vaccine hesitant. Uh, the Indigenous population, just over 50% vaccinated, compared to 79% of the po- the population at large. And then lo and behold, at our first uh, candidates debate in Westmount, uh, all the candidates are on stage and there was a woman from the Christian Heritage Party who happens to be a black woman. And I hate tokenizing people, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's a relevant detail. Black woman from the Christian Heritage Party, not vaccinated. Apparently the only one on stage not vaccinated was such an existential threat to everyone in that room who was double vaccinated. She was escorted off stage by security uh, and her seat was left uh, not empty because uh, the other two candidates took that spot escorted off stage. So for a prime minister who rants and raves against racism that he thinks exists, he is the only one actively promoting it and knowingly so.
0: Yeah. Well, if it makes you guys feel any better from an American perspective, we have plenty of video of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and pretty much everyone on MSNBC and CNN saying that they were against mandates and they're for them now. So this is a worldwide, uh, that's a real pandemic, a pandemic of of lying. Lauren, do you sometimes think that some of this is by design, that they purposely, they're they're just punking all of us at all times, that they don't believe in anything other than power. So it's like, yeah, we used to be against mandates, now we're for mandates, like literally everything. They flip and lie about everything. I can't find one point that they don't do this on at this point.
1: I don't really have any other answer aside from that. This must all be some part of an agenda because it's definitely not about the science. It's not actually about saving lives. I mean, if it were about the science, I know in Quebec right now, it's you cannot... Do outdoor dining unless you are vaccinated. And I've walked through uh, malls, and even outside of malls, there will be like little benches, and there'll be signs saying you cannot stop to eat here unless you have a vaccine passport. Makes no sense at all. Uh, where I live, you can't have, uh, you know, you can't play doubles tennis without being vaccinated, and things like this. If it were about the science, I think things would be looking a lot different. Uh, what I don't understand, though, is how could these leaders have such clear contempt for the freedoms of Canadians, where they feel comfortable doing that, and I, that I don't have a clear answer for. Because Because there are a lot of people, uh, you know, Ford as well, uh, you know, the Albertan premier who previously I had thought fairly high of and Mm -hmm. they had made a lot of promises about wanting to safeguard Canadian freedoms. But it seems like, you know, every Canadian politician that you would have assumed would stand up for our rights has eventually fallen. And really there is just, you know, on the national stage, only Maxime Bernier, it seems, who is fighting for our right to medical freedom.
0: Yeah, and there was that incredible moment. Maybe one of you guys can clean it up for me if I slightly butcher it. Where he was—was was he being arrested or pulled over? And and they—and he said why? And he, uh, it was something to the effect. David, I'm sure you can clean it up for me. But in essence, he well, said the, o- the only thing you're afraid of uh, from me is my words. I mean, it's a really beautiful, beautiful moment. Can you can you clean it up?
3: Fantastic. Uh, well, I—it I, was fantastic. And Ezra and Rebel covered it and covered it thoroughly, uh, I believe. Where he said where he's getting arrested and he says, uh, do you have any what weapons was, on him? What was he getting arrested for? He was getting arrested, I believe it was in June, for holding an outdoor political rally in Alberta in defiance of public health measures, where literally three days later in Ontario, they were holding a thousands plus person vigil for the victims of that horrible uh, attack on a Muslim family. Uh, three days later, you have thousands of people gathering in Ontario with politicians speaking at the event, uh, he was arrested, Maxim, for holding a park rally outdoors of a few dozen people. And as he was being arrested, the police officer says, do you have any weapons on you? And he says, weapons? No, only my words. Yeah. And he was arrested, detained for, I think it was only the day, and released. But the political double standard of the science uh, can cause anyone with half a brain to question whether or not, in fact, to, de- to deny, to doubt that this is in fact about the science. This is about political control, political censorship, and using it as an excuse to control every aspect of citizens' private and public lives.
0: Yeah, it's a really beautiful moment. I'll, I'll retweet it after this so that people can see it if they haven't seen it already. And and by the way, I should note that um, I wanted, because I'm sure people are watching, wondering where Maxime is. Uh, he's on a plane right now, so we couldn't get him on now. The, the election is Tuesday, is that correct? Monday. The, the election's Monday, so I can't, unfortunately, yeah. I'm, I'm heading on a plane right after this. So I. Unfortunately, can't have him on before. Uh, but what I mean are are you guys hopeful? This will be the the wrap up question. But are you guys hopeful despite all of this? I mean, you're all still living there. I'm still living in Cali. I'm run, you know my hope thing is pretty much exhausted. Um, but how do you guys feel, just on a personal note, fighting for these things that seem to be slipping away, Ezra?
2: Oh, I'm as pessimistic as possible. The People's Party and Maxime Bernier will do well, but. Uh, in Canada's system, you can come in second or third everywhere, but not get a single representative in our parliament. I think that's going to happen. What we have here is worse than what you have in the States, Dave, because we have a total failure of the entire system. Every government is for the lockdown. There's no Ronda DeSantis, mm-hmm. but also every opposition leader is for the lockdown. So you have no distinction between the government and the opposition. The mainstream media is completely on side. Academia, pop culture, the law professors, the courts, the police. At least in the United States, you have pockets of resistance, and your Supreme Court has thrown out the worst of it. In Canada, every single knot in the net has broken at the same time. There is not a single establishment force that is countervailing this enormous civil liberties defeat. Where are the civil liberties groups? In Canada, they're utterly silent. So while there are little green shoots of hope in America, I mean, for example, we all see those enormous college football stadiums cheering in certain parts of America. Life's back to normal. It's not back to normal anywhere in Canada, and it's getting worse. And actually, just yesterday in court, uh, they're trying to put that Christian pastor, Arthur Pavlovsky, back in prison for 21 days, not making this up, because he won't apologize to the government. Dave, these are the worst of times. It's not the best of times and the worst of times. It is the worst of times. Canada is in distress and Americans should watch because God forbid, you're next.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's evil running everywhere. And everyone that watches my show knows I always try to spin things positively. Otherwise, how could I do what I do? And and why would people watch these shows to endlessly, be depressed, and yet here we are. Lauren, I mean, this is gonna be on the personal side, but you you just uh, publicly announced you're you're pregnant, which we're thrilled about, obviously, and congratulations to you. Yeah. But as someone bringing a child into the world right now, I mean, you must be, not I don't mean the public person, Lauren Chen, but the, the private person, Lauren Chen, like just worried about the future that you're bringing this child into.
1: I am very worried, and frankly, I mean, I was born in Canada, but I grew up in Asia, I studied in the US, so the the prospect of moving if things get really bad, that's not something that's foreign to me, the same cannot be said of my husband. He's someone who is, you know, born and raised, his family has been in Canada, specifically the same part of Canada for generations and generations, and unfortunately, it's really taken this whole pandemic, quote unquote, to open his eyes to the fact that, look, unless things change really fast for the better our child will not be able to grow up with the same freedoms that we had if we continue to live here and it's terrifying i'm going through you know all of my pregnancy appointments by myself right now because my husband is not allowed with me because of covid restrictions i'm having to wait 5 weeks for a blood test uh it's just this is I, You said this is personal and I I feel like that's how the government has made it. Like they are personally very boldly discriminating against me, making my life harder. So uh, I feel like Canada has frankly left us behind.
0: Wait, what could possibly be the rationalization for not allowing your husband, who you're obviously spending every day with and sleeping in a bed with to come to your appointment?
1: I'm not sure, but I know I had my first sonogram not that long ago, posted the, you know, the photo on Twitter and I was told explicitly he could not come. Um, so that was a very emotionally hard thing to do to, you know, see the your child's beating heart for the first time by yourself. And it's, it's even making me emotional thinking about it. Um, that's not something I'll be able to get back.
0: David, since you got in, you you got in, you said, I'm not just gonna talk about it. I'm gonna fight for it. I'm gonna give you the last word here as a uh, blossoming politician. I mean, where's the hope part? Or or if you believe that
3: there is. I'll, I'll put a little bit of white veneer on Ezra and Lauren's black pill, because I think there is some hope. Let me just get my rage out. Uh, when I hear that 13-year-old kids are being denied uh, sports tryouts after school because they don't have the vaccine passport, it enrages me to the point of tears. I got an email from someone uh, the other day saying her husband passed away and for the last eight days of his life, she couldn't be with him in the hospital because of COVID. Uh, these are, these are uh, traumas that uh, will leave scars and I, they're difficult uh, to forgive for. With that said... I've been walking the streets i've been talking to people there seem to be a lot of people who are getting fed up even those who were on board up until the vaccine passports we'll see what the election results are i'm predicting there may be a lot of close second and third finishes but the ppc are going to get i'm predicting half a dozen to maybe if we're lucky 10 seats across the country so that there will in fact be meaningful opposition in parliament because it's true what ezra says there is no opposition right now conservatives block ndp They are all on the same page for all of the most draconian measures and don't expect any of them to change the rules if or when they ever get into power because they're gonna realize that they benefit from tremendous power. So the ultimate uh, litmus test or uh, what is it called? Referendum will be the election. If it's a disastrous result, then I may be a little more uh, less white-pilled or less optimistic. If we get six to 10 seats in of a voice of reason, a real opposition, I will have a little more optimism.
0: All right, a little, a little white pill to go with a lot of black pill. Well, you guys, uh, the three of you were awesome and just fighting a, a very difficult thing. I'll keep fighting with you as long as you'll fight with me. And uh, I thank you guys. I'm gonna continue without you, uh, but especially David to you, good luck on Monday. And uh, I'll, I'll talk to you guys soon. Woo, Canada, Canada, Canada. It's like, this is happening in Canada. Nobody thought this could happen in Canada. This is happening in Australia. Nobody thought this could happen in Australia. We had an abject disaster happen here in California this week for freedom, if you care about freedom. Uh, It's happening across the West. And from my estimation at this point, if you think that the biggest virus that we have to fight right now is COVID in that it gets people sick and has a 99% recovery rate, uh, there's a much bigger virus that I'm worried about. And it's the mind virus that is now proliferating everywhere and allowing once decent people to be very confused about simple things that we used to know to be true and to literally hand over their rights. Here are my rights. Here are the documents you wrote them on. You take them, you take them. I'll, I'll figure it out as I'm locked in my basement with the mask on, getting my 17th booster shot. What are we doing to ourselves? What What are we doing? What are we doing? Um, but because you know, I like to give you a little of the white pill when we when we do something like this, and this was obviously you know sort of a rough week for me personally. But as I said over the last couple of days, you know, I'm very proud about fighting for California and, and fighting for Larry, and I'll make all the decisions. Trust me, all the conversations that you think I'm having with with David and my team and everything else they're all they're all being had. Um, but I'm very proud about fighting for California and giving it everything I got, and, and more importantly, fighting for Larry Elder, who is a, a a damn decent man who did not deserve to be treated the way he was, which I have no doubt is exactly what David and the People's Party uh, candidates are dealing with up in Canada right now. Um, Actually, we had Larry and his girlfriend over for dinner last night, and we just had a great night just letting off some steam, just, you know, just being friends and not even talking politics the whole time. And I assure you that Larry's got big plans, like don't think this is the end of Larry. Uh, don't think this is the end of all the things we've been fighting for and everything else. Um, but our work is cut out for us. It really is as simple as that. So that, that's kind of where we're at. Uh, guys, next week, I'm actually leaving for New York tonight. I'll, I'll be gone for the week. Um, we do have an interview with Jason Whitlock from The Blaze, who's awesome. It's, it's a very, I, we taped it yesterday. We're gonna put it up next week. It's really, really interesting. A little bit of a different take. It's not purely political. It's a lot about sports, and of course sports have, has melded into politics. So we'll, that, we'll put that up next week. I'll be live in studio with Greg Gutfeld on Gutfeld, exclamation point, on Fox News on uh, Wednesday night. And I may do a couple other media hits while I'm in New York. And maybe I'll do some walk and talk, so we'll get something up on YouTube for you guys. Uh, but everybody keep fighting. Look, and I you know, I got a ton of messages of messages this week about people being depressed and people are planning to move. And I I see what everyone's saying, mostly where I check things, of course, is the locals community. And everyone's kind of just whacked out this week. But from that, it's like, then we gotta piece something together, right? That's why I always talk about building. Like, Trudeau ain't gonna be the guy that saves them in Canada. And Joe Biden ain't gonna be the guy that saves us here. We're the ones that can save ourselves, and uh, oh, and one other thing I wanted to mention. Um, you know, yesterday was was the holiest day in the in the Jewish year. It was Yom Kippur, uh, which is the Day of Atonement, and I went to services uh, that are led by Dennis Prager. Now, Dennis Prager's not a rabbi; he doesn't have like a regular congregation, um, but he does do these services uh, for the High Holy Days, and I I went a week ago for Rosh Hashanah, I went to Yom Kippur, he gave a a sermon yesterday and he makes a point of not talking about politics. You know, most of the people that come, it's about 400 people, it was jam packed, standing room only, most of the people that come listen to his radio show or the PragerU videos or whatever it might be, so they're they're fans of Dennis, so it's an interesting, somewhat self-selected audience. Um, And Dennis makes a point of not talking about politics from the pulpit, he brings it up repeatedly, that even though they love him for that and those ideas, uh, that's not what he's there to do. And he, he, does, he has a really wonderful way of talking about religious ideas and the importance of them and all those things. But he gave a sermon yesterday and it was, um, it, it wasn't political, but it was political because everything's political right now because freedom is on the ropes. And to talk about freedom, as he discussed yesterday, to talk about freedom is to talk about belief, is to talk about the ideas that you know, our ancestors fought for so we could live in free societies that maybe are at the end of their freedom. So it was quite moving to me. And, and the other reason I bring it up is that one of the things that Dennis talked about is that, you know, during Yom Kippur, you're supposed, to, you're supposed to repent for your sins. If you've wronged somebody, you should apologize to them, that sort of thing. And he was talking a lot about lying and that once you put lies out in the world, um, that you can't put them back. You know what I mean? A lie is just a wave of water and you can't get that thing back in the cup. And there are lies everywhere. Like what a week of lies. Everything you heard Justin Trudeau just say right there, everything that Joe Biden and Barack Obama and Gavin Newsom said about Larry Elder, everything that they say on mainstream media about all of us, it's just like a lie factory everywhere. And so where's the white pill part of that? It's on us to correct the stuff. I have nothing better to do. So let's do it together, right? Like that's it. Uh, all right, if you wanna see all the adventures and behind the scenes things that I'll be doing in New York, join me at rubinreport.locals.com. The community's exploding, by the way, and I'm, I'm thrilled to just be part of that with you guys and just meet so many of you as I met at the Larry Elder election night party and, and everything else. So uh, join us over there. That's it. Have a good weekend. And uh, well, I'll see you next week one way or another, somehow, you know, because the internet, and I can't really see you anyway. It's an odd thing that the television people always say, but here we are. Okay, goodbye.